Psalms 37. Psalms 37. This morning we talked about uh, those who will be condemned to hell and didn't, didn't get in too deep into hell itself, but uh, to know that there is that place uh, to which those without Christ will spend eternity. The next two chapters, I, most of us know that uh, next week we're going to, we're going to go to heaven. And see what heaven is like. And, and the, those two chapters, 21 and 22, uh, in the conclusion of the revelation, uh, will lift our hearts and, and help us to understand just exactly what God uh, has waiting for us, but also to know that those of our loved ones that have gone before us, we know what uh, they are experiencing. Uh, so we'll look forward to that. But one of the things that we confuse ourselves with sometimes is that we make the purpose of our Christian life, when we talk about walking that narrow road and, and moving in, in that direction, we think that the purpose of our life is getting off the road to hell and getting on the road to heaven. And then that's all there is to the Christian walk. Well, that's what God asks of us, but once we are born again, then we uh, change roads off the road of destruction onto the road that leads to everlasting life, and Jesus described it as the fact that many follow the road of destruction, and very few find the road that leads to eternal life. In doing so, we feel like that because we are on that narrow road, that everything is good with us and God. The truth of the matter is, is that there are some things missing in our life if we do not put ourselves in, in the place of saying there's more to this life than just walking this narrow road. God has work for us to do. God has things that He asks us to do. <clears throat> but, we have an adversary that comes against us, and his name is Satan. And we have to beware of what Satan is trying to do to destroy uh, the Word and to destroy the walk that we have with God. We are told in the Scripture, you can read it in the last verse of the last chapter of the book of Second Peter. Peter, as he concluded his book, and Peter was not far from dying when uh, he wrote First and Second Peter. <clears throat> and at the end of his book, he ended it with this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. <clears throat> we will not grow if we don't connect to the vine. And once you connect to the vine then we are to produce fruit. As the Scripture says, we need others to see Jesus in us. If we don't grow, 
we can't produce. If we're not producing, then we're not following the things that God has given to us. Now, when, you, when we look at, at this uh, 37th Psalm, uh, and first of all, I want you to turn over to verse 25. If it's not on the page, it's your own. Because I, I'm going to read that verse to you and, and help you to understand uh, kind of where we fit into this right now and, and where we are. Uh, David wrote and said in verse 25, I have been young and now am old. <clears throat> now, how many of you here tonight would say, I've been young, but I'm old now? Anybody raise your hand? That's what I thought. Okay, now let's finish this. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. David said, I'm an old man. In other words, he's got six t-shirts and four caps. He's been there. He's done that. Okay. And so because David knows this, then he describes this to those that are coming behind him. Now, there is a song <clears throat> that we sing on occasion. Uh, Let those that come behind us find us what? Faithful. Faithful. Where will our churches be if we are not faithful in leading them in the way of Christ? Okay. It's important for us that we pull ourselves into that place where we understand just exactly what God asked us to do in this life so that, first of all, we grow and those that are behind us grow and we teach them. There's no doubt that we're, we're living in an age right now. Uh, I don't understand it. I really don't. Uh, I, I watch it. I see it. I hear it. I listen to it. I don't understand it. I don't understand what a lot of these people say. And, you know, every generation that we had, <clears throat> you went through it and I've been through it, there was always a certain language that young people had. Uh, even if you were one of those in the 50s that uh, rolled your cigarettes up in, in the sleeve of your T-shirt and then had a duck tail pulling it back. How many of you remember the beatniks? Yeah. The beatniks were the prelude to the hippies. But the beatniks, they, they uh, entered into this idea that we just need to love everybody. You remember they just read poems all the time. They'd, they'd write them, they'd read them. They grew little beards. And uh, my daddy always told me, don't you grow a little beard like that. You ain't going to be no beatnik. Well, then I asked him if I could comb my hair down. He said, you ain't going to be no hippie. So I never did understand where do you fit into this thing. But we all had our, our terminology. And back when I was in school, I heard it, I used it, and then that died away. But now we hear those things I don't, I don't understand. But there is one thing that we can be sure of, and that is that God is at work. And if we will trust Him, we'll not be begging bread to make it through this life. 
That's what's happening to some of us even right now. We are trying our best, but things aren't going our way. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah. It's just not happening. It's, it's, not, it's not what I want. I, in, in fact, even this morning I was talking to an individual and talking about the fact that God has, has everything under control. He's, it's all in his hands. He got it, he's already got everything worked out. And the person said, I wish he would tell me. Well, uh, it was right before Sunday school, and I didn't have time to get into that. But uh, one of the things that we have to understand is maybe you're not listening. You see what I mean? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Or you don't want to listen. Because in a sense, you know what you're fixing to hear. So we tune God out, and then we blame God for not talking to us, not telling us what we ought to do. There are eight precepts in Psalms 37. Eight. And we're going to cover all eight of them tonight. Because I want you to see just exactly what God has laid out for us. These things that if, if you and I will heed these words that we point out to you. And I hope you got a little uh, red pen or pencil or something that you can underline these. They're, they're, they're going to fall into order, but then we'll move over to catch one of them. But you can see it uh, in the beginning of this. And I, I've talked to you about this before, but... Folks, I, I think it's very relevant for us today that we focus our attention on making sure that we are following Christ and doing the things that God asks us to do. So the first thing that God says to us when we are dealing with struggles and strifes and when we are growing in the Lord, here's the first thing he said. Verse one, what does it say? Fret not. Fret not. Now, how many follow that precept? Oh, maybe on occasion, maybe at certain times, but there's not a one of us sitting here that hasn't spent time doing this. Fret over things that happen. Fret because we don't know Fret because we don't have an answer. Fret because it's not what we want. All of those things come over and over and over to us. And we spend our time doing just that. But notice what, what David said about this now. Verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb now isn't that interesting what david said in the analogy that he used there fret not those that seemingly live a life that are total that is totally against the things of god and when we do that when we when we look at them we think everything that they do is totally uh, wrong but yet they they keep going they have a smile on their face and that's one thing I, I mentioned or I said because that's the title of the message. 
give the world a smiling face. Anybody remember that song? The title of the song is Give the World a Smile. But in that song, the Blackwood Brothers sang it back when J.D. Sumner was their bass. And when they sang it, it's give the world a smiling face. And then talking about give the world a smile. Now, one of the things that we miss a lot of times when this fret comes upon us is that we're looking at those who uh, they have no contact with the church. They don't, they don't uh, show any sign of being a part of the things of God, and yet their life is prospering. And here we are over here, and we're trying to do the best we can, and we're praying, and we're seeking God, and nothing is happening. Nobody's saying anything. No one's telling us anything to do. And we fret over the fact that those people are, are getting everything that they want, and yet I'm here, and I can't even get God to say anything to me. He talks about it again uh, later on in the psalm. And when he comes to the conclusion of it, he said, David wrote and said, but I didn't understand how the, how the wicked was always blessed until I understood their end. You see, everything that someone who lives for this world and, and lives without God, everything that they will ever have, they're getting right now. Why should we fret over that? Because, folks, I'm going to tell you something. All of this stuff that we have in this world is going to burn. Every bit of it is going to burn. We're not going to take it to heaven with us. We're not going to take it to the grave with us. It's going to mean absolutely nothing to us. The thing that we ought to focus our attention on is they're getting everything that they deserve and everything that they'll ever have right now. But I have a mansion in glory. I've got a streets of gold. I'm going to walk through gates of pearl. I'm going to see walls of jasper. I'm going to see a throne with a rainbow around it. And I'm going to see my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to rejoice in Him. I'm going to see my loved ones that have gone before me. And we're going to spend eternity forever and ever and ever. And they are going to suffer in, in the pit of hell, separated from God with absolutely nothing. Why should we fret does that make sense to you why should we fret and he's talking about fretting over those things that we see around us and those that don't deserve this and when you start bringing that word deserve into this and you say well god won't tell me anything god doesn't say anything to me god doesn't let me know what's going on yes he does yes he does and i'm going to get to a word here in just a minute that i think is going to help us understand that so I want you to look at this for a moment. When, when David says, fret not against evildoers, fret not against what you see around you, it means that you and I need to focus our attention not on what someone else has and not on what someone else is doing. Folks, if you keep your mind set on God, we're not going to fret because we'll see Him every day. And you wake up in the morning and you say, morning, Lord. And he says, good morning. You say, Lord, I'm glad you're here today. And he said, it's good to be with you today. Lord, I, I sure wish you'd tell me about such and such that's going on in my life. And he'll pat you on the head and say, you're not ready for that yet. Happens. 
may be happening to some of you right now. And things are happening. You want an answer. We all look for that. We demand that sometimes. We need the answer to that. And God said, no, not right now. Just hang on. Don't fret. Know he's there. Know that, that we can walk with him and know that he's going to see us through. Because you see where God is walking, and I mentioned this a moment ago, everything that happens in your life, at the moment that it happens, God's got it all taken care of right down here. Because he sees from here to here. You can't. And so what he does is, is that he takes us. If you walk with him, he'll take you to here. Now, sometimes he don't get there as fast as you want him to. And that's when we fret. Sometimes you say, well, Lord, we're here. Are we lost? Why don't you stop and ask for directions? And we begin to fret. Walk with him. Don't fret. Now. Look at verse 3. Here's the second precept in, chapter, in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. Now hear me real close here. Because I'm either going to make you mad or you're, you're going to catch on what I'm saying. The problem that we have when we fret, when we worry, when we try to figure out what needs to be done and we try to, to make ourselves uh, in the position of God where we get all of these things together and, and we do what we think needs to be done, the problem that we're facing is this. We are not trusting God. Now, now don't tell me, oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you're not. If you're worrying and you're fretting and you're, you're grasping and you're groaning and, and all of these things and we say, I, I just can't, God's not, God's not responding to me. Yes, He is. You've got to trust Him. And don't you think that God knows we're not trusting Him? I remember, and I'm sure some of you do too, I remember when our kids were little, and we were at the swimming pool for maybe the first time or whatever. And we would stand the kids up on the side of the swimming pool. And then I would turn to them and I'd say, jump. Jump. Most of the time. When you say that, they might shake their head. No, I'm not. And then they hear these words. Jump. I'll catch you. Did y'all ever do that? Jump, I'll catch you. And then they stand there and they look. And all of a sudden, they jump. And you catch them about right here. And you get them down in the water and you pick them up. And there's this big smile on their face. So if there, was, there was one time uh, we were at uh, a water park. And Billy was small. And he wanted to go down this big slide, you know, where you, you go like this and this and this and this. And so uh, I went up there with him and we sat down or I sat down and I put him in between my legs. And here we went. We slid. And I mean, we were going and he was happy and side to side and down we were going. 
and that thing when it did when it come to the end it went like this and it threw you out into a pool well I wasn't expecting this little deal and when we went off I lost him and I, I, I was waiting to hit the water so I could go find him. And I, I hit the water and I just jumped up right quick and I turned around and there he was. And I reached down and I picked him up and his eyes were about this big. And he, you know what he said? Dad, you dropped me. <laughs> and I did. But he still trusted me. Has there, there ever been a time when you feel like God has dropped you? Has there ever been a time that you feel like that, that as, as you've gone along, you say, Lord, I, I, I stepped out in faith. And he said, I'm glad. Do you trust me? Do, do you really trust me? Because look, look at that verse again. You see the, the, that phrase, trust the Lord and do good. You know what that word means? means to be obedient to be obedient to what I'm asking of you and what I'm saying to you because you see trust when we trust the faith that we say that we have we're going to cure this fretting that's taking place in our life things are under control because God is in charge he is sovereign he has it all taken care of and he is righteous in the things that he does. He's never lied to us, has he? God ever lied to any of you? No. God ever let you down? No. We think he has. No, he hasn't. So everything that he does is righteous and is good. So what do we have to do? We have to be actively obedient, doing the things that God asks us to do, and seeing the things that God has promised. And then we just leave it in his hands and say, Lord, thank you. That you've got everything under control. Did not Jesus say that I am the good shepherd that lays down his life for his sheep? Didn't he say that? Do we ever take the time and, and listen to what he says in, in the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is what? I shall not. Did you hear the word? What word stood out there? What word stood out there? My. You want to trust him? You got to let him be your shepherd. We're just like sheep. All we know to do is eat what's right in front of us. It takes the shepherd to get us to the green pastures and lead us beside still waters and restore our soul. Trust him. Trust him with everything that you have. And when we trust him, we don't fret. We don't fret because we're trusting him. Okay? Third precept, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in whom? In the Lord. Delight in him. 
praising Him, recognizing that He is God. But even along the same line of that, isn't it interesting that when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, what's the very first word of that Lord's prayer that we have? No, the first word. Our. Our. You see what? Because you see, you know what that means? That means he's my father. He's your father. We're brothers and sisters. Did you hear what he said to them? Here's how you pray. Our father. He was Jesus' father when Jesus was on this earth. So that means that I'm a part of Jesus when I can say he's my father. He's your father. He's our father. Our father is the one that, that is, is taken us and, and he's, you, he's, he's uh, granting to us everything that you and I need. And it's the delight in the fact he's our father. He is God. And he's in perfect control. And that brings us joy. Joy. Joy I give unto you, Jesus said. Joy that is abundant in our life. It's that kind of joy. Joy not in the things of this world. We delight in Him. Why don't God do what I want Him to do? We're praying for this. We're asking God for this. And yet it's not happening. Yes, it is. It's rolling. It's all going along. What are we supposed to do? We delight in Him. Because we can trust Him. And when we're trusting Him, we're not fretting. Delight, He says. Delight is everything that Jesus is to us. That delight that we have in our lives. Every so often you find a, a, a dessert and it's got that word in it, delight. Some type of a delight. Well, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Everything's a delight if it's a dessert. But we have to be real careful because we can't delight what's out there and delight in the Lord. Okay? So we have to keep our eyes fixed on Him. And when we delight in Him, notice what He said, delight in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Now it does not mean that just because you want something, God's going to give it to you. It doesn't mean that, that you've decided, gee, I want this new car. I want this, uh, new these new clothes or this or this. And say, Lord, that's the desire of my heart. Amen. And he says, so? You know, it took me a long time to figure out that God really wasn't a fan of the football team that I was for. I thought you could pray to him and say, oh, dear God, we got to win this game. Amen. Thank you. And then we get beat. Well, that's the delight of my heart, Lord. He could care less who's playing on Sunday. You know that? He didn't care. Took me a long time to, to let that sink in. I'm still not too sure about it. I'm still studying the scripture. I'm trying to find someplace where he's a fan. But what he gives to us is when our heart agrees with his heart, he grants the delight 
and the desires of our heart. When we agree with Him, when we're trusting Him, when we believe Him, when we walk with Him, there's no room for fretting. We're trusting. It brings delight. And delight gives us our desires. You want to know more? Delight in the Lord. Don't say, dear God, why aren't you telling me something? Say, Lord, thank you. You've got this all under control. It's all in your hands. I'm not worrying about it, Lord. You're going to take care of this, and I praise you. And you'll be surprised how fast things come along. He didn't speed it up because of that. You were there all the time. See, he's got it there for you. And if we're going to grow, then we need to, don't fret, trust him, delight. Notice verse 5. Fourth precept, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That word commit that he uses there, that word means to roll together. To roll together. Put everything together. Kind of like putting all your eggs in one basket. And we say, well, don't do that. But what God does with, with the desires that we have in our life and, and the delight that we have for Him is that He rolls all of the burdens of our life together. And you bring all of those together and then God begins to respond. All of our cares. You have something that you're fretting about? Give it to God. Let Him roll it up with the others. Let Him roll, roll all of those things together as we commit it unto Him. The anxiety that we feel comes from an enemy that is out to destroy us. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to eat your lunch. And he will. Unless we commit those things to God. They're yours, Lord. Taking the burdens of life, taking the struggles, all of these things that are leading us in, in a different way down that path, we are to commit those things to Him, and He'll bring it to pass. But look at verse 6. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. He will cleanse us. He will restore us. And the darkness will flee from us. Now, a couple of weeks or so ago, I asked how many of you were afraid of things. And we talked about being afraid of the dark. And people are. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're not talking about a darkness where you can go flip on a light switch and dispel that. We are talking about darkness that Satan brings to us where we are not able to see the mighty power of God at work in our life. And so what he wants us to do, what he wants to do is take that darkness away from us and restore unto us the righteousness of our, of our life in him. <clears throat> so we take everything that we have, every burden that you have, roll it together. It's yours, Lord. And if I'm not mistaken, that's what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 11. Cast all your cares upon me is what Peter said. But Jesus tells us that we are to come to him. If we're laboring and are heavy laden, and he'll give us what? Rest. Rest. 
We don't have rest because we are not allowing these burdens to be in the, in the uh, hands of God. And we say, okay, God, what am I going to do with this? And God says, give it to me. Cast your cares upon him. Trust Jesus, knowing that he says, bring all of them to me. So when Satan comes up with this idea that he wants to remind us of the things that we're fretting about, that we can just stop, and I've told you this before, and I'm going to keep telling you until you get it down, whenever Satan begins to approach you and to remind you of something that's past that, he, that uh, he's telling you that God is, is uh, against you for, or that there's, there's things in your life and causes you to worry, you stop, you look up, and you say, thank you, Lord. That belongs to you. It's not mine. I commit it to you. If you commit the burdens to the Lord, then he will grant the desire of your heart as you delight in him that has your burdens. And we trust him that every time those burdens come, that he is going to release that and take it from us. And we can say, Lord, it's already there. I don't have to do this. And we don't fret about it. Commit unto the Lord. The fifth one, rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Verse 7 for him. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Rest in the Lord. Psalms 46.10, what does it say? Through your curve, didn't it? Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. No, I am God. Don't you think there's times we get to moving too fast and we forget to be still? How many of you, uh, when you were a kid growing up, had a lot of nervous energy and into everything? Boy, I was. I hated sitting down. And that's why I, I did my best to stay away from Mama. She was all go, always going to whoop me until I couldn't sit down. I didn't have time to sit down. I had things I needed to do. I had places I needed to go. I didn't want to sit down. And now I never pass a chair. I sit down. I love going shopping with my wife. Because she goes to those places that has chairs when you walk in. And I know the stores she's go to. I know where every chair is. And there's one store I found the other day. I went in to get in my chair, and they took the chairs out. We ain't going back to that store no more. Because usually I could sit down in that chair. I would walk in, and I can sit down, and I say, I'll be right here. Okay. And the next thing I feel is her kicking my feet because I'm asleep in that chair. I used to didn't want to sit down, but now I never pass a good chair. Do you know, folks, that there are some times that you and I just need to pull back a little bit and rest 
in the Lord. And I'm not talking about falling asleep somewhere. I'm talking about letting go of all of this mess and quit worrying and fretting about it and just let God have his way because he's in control of it anyway. Just let him have it. Let him have those things. Rest, he says. Rest in the Lord. And what's the next thing he said? Wait patiently. <laughs> oh. Doesn't God know us? We're not patient when we want something done. We want it done now. Wait patiently, he said. Waiting on things. That, that's not American. We need to have it now. When we tell you we want it, we want it right now. And God, we expect you to do the very same thing. We want you to give it to us right now. Is your heart in tune with God? Then wait on Him. Is your mind in tune with God? Then wait on Him. Wait on Him. Because He's worthy of our waiting. Be still, He said, and know that I am God. The sixth one, verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Okay, ready? That means to stop being mad about what you can't control. And you can't control these things. So quit getting mad at God about them. When we get mad at Him, we fret. We worry. When we get angry with God, then we, we think that God's not listening. And what that does, it, it makes us become disobedient. Then we try to take His place. And some of you are sitting there saying, oh, pfft, I never get mad at God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And so have I. And so have you. We get, we get angry with Him. Because He's not moving faster. Because He's not doing what, what we think He ought to be doing. Don't get angry. Paul says, be angry and do what? Sin not. Now remember, there's nothing wrong with righteous anger. That's what Jesus did. Mad at the sin. Mad at what's angry at, at, at sin and angry at what's going on in this world. We can be angry about those things. But don't sin and be angry. Be angry at someone else. Don't sin and be angry uh, with, with those that are a part of you. And don't sin and get angry with God because you don't think He's doing what He ought to do. Folks, He's made it this far in this world. He'll make it to the end. Trust Him and believe Him. Okay? So there's six. There's six precepts there. Now, look over at verse, 20, at verse 27. Verse 27, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Depart from the spirit of evil. Depart from the temptation that Satan places in our way. Always, keep this in mind, always look for the door. Because every temptation that comes your way, 
the Holy Spirit walks over and he opens the door and he opens it and he stands and he smiles and said, it's just for you. Now you make the choice. You can follow the temptation or you can come through the door. He'll close the door. The temptation will be gone. What we have to understand is, is that we need to keep ourselves away from that. Depart from the evil, the evil that makes us fret. The evil that says that God's not doing what what he says that he will do and we don't trust him anymore. The evil that says I can't delight in God because he's being mean to me. We need to depart from those evil things and and keep them uh, away from our hearts and our lives. Turn ourselves completely over to God knowing that he has a place for us. Okay, that's number seven. Number eight, verse 34. Verse 34, wait on the Lord, keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you'll see it. There's one word that always stands out to me when I read that verse. Hope. Hope. Folks, we've got hope. In Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry whether God is doing his work or not. He is. Wait on him. Keep his way. He will exalt you. You'll inherit the land. Isn't that what he tells us? So we don't have to fret. We just need to trust. In that trust we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. To receive the desires of our heart. To delight ourselves, we must commit ourselves to Him and roll up all of our burdens to Him and let Him have those things. And when those burdens are safely in the bosom of God, then we rest. We rest in the Lord. And we find that as we wait patiently for Him, He works things for His glory and for our good. You see, we're asking wrong, and God wants to work for our good. So don't get angry. Stop that. Leave evil alone. Wait on the Lord. Eight precepts that will help us grow. But we've got to practice them. We have to apply those things. So I would encourage you that in the days ahead, every so often pick up Psalms 37. Read those eight precepts. Read the entire chapter. But read those eight precepts. And ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Read them. Apply them. Fret not. Our God is still on the throne. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, Father, for teaching us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, these words that we hear, Father, our hearts and our minds can be lifted and, and, and clear, Lord, just laying every, the, everything at your feet. We come to Jesus, and, and he asks us to cast all, everything upon him. And so, Lord, we hand that to you. Lord, I pray that you bless so many that are uh, laying things before you right now. And I pray, Father, that you would just grant the desire. But Lord, I pray that our lives would change. We're not going to let Satan beat us down. We're not going to let him beat us up. We're not going to let him take us away. Father, we are going to rejoice in you. And Father, we bring you the delight that we have in our Father, which is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. 
And now, Father, may you take us from here. See us through the evening, Father. Bless us in this week. May we share Jesus. May others see Jesus in us. And, Father, we ask that you just guide and lead us. And, Father, every burden, Father, we give it to you. Take us now. Watch over. Protect us. But, Lord, tonight we just want to say we love you. You've got it all under control. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. Good night.